Hello. Thank you for tuning into the Arkhamoto podcast. Today we have with us Jim Fenton. Hello. You're a battery scientist. How do you how do you explain what you do at Arkhamoto? Well, I wouldn't say I'm a scientist. I'm a design engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I was hired with the title of Senior Electrical Engineer Battery Systems. Oh. So uh, that's my proper title, but uh, I work on uh, design of battery systems, uh, which includes the electronics and the cells, which when you mix the cells and the electronics, you have a battery. Beautiful. A lot of people confuse the term battery and cells. When you have a single cell, it's not a battery, it's a cell. But a combination of cells is a battery. Beautiful. And this is what you've been doing for a long time? or um, On and off for a number of years. So I would say this is my third company that I've worked for on electric vehicles. I started uh, on electric vehicles at Ford Motor Company. Um, Goodness, way back in 1992, I was hired into the Ford Research Group uh, to work on electric vehicles. Um, At that time, lithium-ion cells were in their infancy, so we really didn't work on them. Uh, But we did work on uh, advanced lead acid. We worked on nickel metal hydride, uh, nickel cadmium, cadmium, and uh, hot sodium sulfur, wow. of all things, which normal operating temperature is 300C to 325C. Wow. And they were fun to work on. I bet. So you've yes. been a part of the industry as it's moved to where it is today. Yes. Yes. And uh, um, like I said, at Ford, we didn't work on lithium uh, ion, mm-hmm. um, but I did at uh, A123 Systems when I worked there from uh, 2010 to 2012, mm-hmm. um, and we worked primarily on, um, I worked primarily on lithium iron phosphate, mm-hmm. which is a safer lithium design, uh, less energy dense, but uh, safer, and you can cycle that technology thousands of times compared to maybe 1,000 times for lithium-ion cells. And was that kind of at the early stages of lithium-ion in consumer products? or Um, At that time, um, 2010 to 2012, actually uh, lithium-ion and lithium-iron phosphate were more advanced. um, And we at A123 Systems, uh, I was involved in the design Uh, and manufacture the first commercially available lithium-ion starter battery. Um, And the reason that uh, we worked on that was we were helping our some uh, European customers because their car sales, or the the cost of their, or the price of their cars is based on weight. Mm -hmm. So if you can move down to the next category lower, even if you make it by one ounce, you pay less in taxes. Mm-hmm. So that's the need to get the weight out of vehicles. And so it, it's uh, public knowledge now, but we, uh, we worked on the first commercially available uh, lithium ion, excuse me, lithium iron battery, starter battery for the sports line, sports uh, vehicles at uh, Daimler. Wow. And so after the long, seems like multi-decade long uh, kind of run in the battery sphere, yes. what, what brought you to Arkhamoto? So I designed cells, or excuse me, batteries that would plug into 
Examples include um, ultrasound machine, uh, a portable um, x-ray machine for small children and small animals, mm -hmm. and a heart start um, for portable uh, heart start machines. Wow. So that's what I was working on there. But I always wanted to go back and work in electric vehicles. Nice. And uh, that's where I cut my teeth, so to speak, when I first started working uh, at Ford in the, in the mid-90s. And I really enjoyed that, mm -hmm. uh, working at Ford for four years. Um, and I wanted to get back to it. And uh, my dad, who was, uh, was uh, he's since passed away, but he worked, he was hired by Ford Motor Company in 1965 to work on, of all things, electric vehicles. Wow. So he, al he always said there has to be a Fenton always working on electric vehicles. So I am fulfilling my dream and my dad's dream at the same time. So, I like it. And so yeah. you've been a part of the Arkimoto team for how many years now? Um, uh, I just passed, went through one year on April 14th. Congratulations. Yeah, made it one year. Nice, so. <laughs> solid. It's, it's Hopefully many more A massively come. growing company. A lot of, you know, we've interviewed some people who have been here since the beginning and some yes. people who are relatively new. I am and relatively new. What excites you and keeps you motivated about the Arkimoto vision? Like, you know, exciting without for being forward looking of like, mm -hmm. I'm excited kind of for Arkimoto's to move in this direction or for Arkimoto's to have this impact on cities and the world. I'm excited to provide, help provide customers with uh, uh, sustainable uh, safe transportation. Uh, I was going to say cheap, but I, I, I think that's not the right word. I would say low cost uh, is a better way to put it. Uh, reliable transportation in cities, and I know it's built to go on the freeways, but uh, it lends itself to doing uh, the final uh, mile drive for picking up things, yeah. uh, groceries and, and the like. And I think it's the perfect vehicle for that purpose. Absolutely. And I want to work on the battery system design next generation to do the three things that are usually required. Reduce the cost, reduce the weight, and increase the uh, range. Yeah, kind of that's, that's what we're doing. I like you know, it. The standard three. Yeah, so, probably a permanent trajectory. As soon as you hit it, you continue to work in that direction. Uh, yes. And I'm, that's what I'm enjoying doing is working on the next generation yeah. uh, design. To move away from Arkimoto, what excites you about the battery industry as a whole? So you were part mm -hmm. of it back before lithium iron or lithium iron was even a thing. Yes. And then where, where we are today and there's talks of solid state, like mm -hmm. not even regarding Arkimoto in yes. terms of batteries, what mm -hmm. excites you? Um, the whole technology and uh, the number of companies and researchers that are now working to improve um, the energy density and cycle life, of course, safety is number one of this technology. So um, solid state and batteries are certainly, a, a, I would say, a very good thing uh, to be doing research in and bringing to fruition uh, in the market. Yeah. Um, the old adage of uh, 10 years from research in the lab to hitting the streets, I think that time frame is being condensed uh, because of the need to get this new technology on the road as fast as possible uh, and move away from fossil fuels uh, as quickly as we can. Yeah, so you also seems like you kind of align with the Arkimoto mission of clearly there's a climate and clearly we're affecting it in some way, you know? We are, we are. Um, I, I was convinced of it a number of years ago um, and I'm glad to be part of that uh, paradigm shift to, to, get, to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels and, and go on renewable energy Absolutely. and 
even when the, the cells themselves, the batteries are, you know, they reach their end of life, um, there's plans to use them and they can be reused, uh, which is fantastic. Great news. Yeah. What's it like working on a, a vehicle battery compared to, it sounds like your other companies, maybe not like uh, medical instruments and like mm -hmm. just, just what interests you about the uh, auto industry and working with them and with batteries? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it was a little frustrating working on ba uh, batteries that were so small um, because, um, I don't know, I looked at that and I thought, you know, I'm doing good things for people and helping them with their health, but I, I've always been um, interested in batteries that move people, physically move people from one location to another. And because of that, you need bigger batteries. And so I've been, uh, and, and all of the circuitry and safety requirements that go along with that intrigue me uh, to be able to put together a system so that they all work together um, and to do that at the lowest possible cost, still maintain uh, safety, um, and get the best range as possible based on the technology that you're using. And that's what intrigues me, is the challenge of putting together a whole system uh, that works. Absolutely, and to kind of break that down, I've, mm -hmm. we've talked to so many battery scientists yet, and mm -hmm. I, I haven't heard that you say cells are different from a battery. So could you kind of break that down for a lot of people who may not know, mm -hmm. of like, why is a cell not kind of a standalone, like a AA battery within mm -hmm. the, the battery pack? Well, it's a misnomer for somebody to say that, that a AA is a battery. Uh, it's a cell, uh, and a cell is a unique part of a battery. So the cell is a chemical energy source, and that's its that's where it gets its power, uh, its energy. Um, and well, energy is power over time. Um, so when you buy a uh, a new set of cells mm -hmm. from the grocery store. You're not buying batteries, you're buying cells, and they will plug into a device to power it based on its chemical composition. Mm -hmm. A group of cells is a battery, or a cell that has intelligence associated with it, meaning it's being monitored for charge, that's a battery. Mm -hmm. But a cell by itself with just the positive and negative term terminal, that's a cell. Interesting. That's it. It's not a battery. It's a cell. So there's a, a distinction, and um, I've had to remind a few people who, whom I work with, there is a distinction. So a cell is a cell. Yeah, a lot of uh, companies need to rework their marketing if that's the case. Yes, they do. <laughs> you know, everyone thinks of those as batteries. Um, so mm -hmm. could I take a cell out of an electric vehicle and the positive negative would charge a consumer electronic or work for it or power it? Um, well, it depends on the application. So. Uh, no, normally, consumer applications use what are called primary cells. Primary cells are non-rechargeable. So they're designed to last longer because you don't have to worry about recharging them. As a consequence, you will use different chemicals in the uh, construction of the cell uh, to make it last longer. So there's some things in the construction itself and the chemicals and the, and the composition of the positive and negative electrodes, which are connected to the tabs, um, that are going to be different, knowing full well that you never recharge it. A secondary cell is a rechargeable cell. Mm -hmm. All automotive batteries and the, the constituent cells are secondary batteries. They are rechargeable. So they're designed to be recharged. So they may not be as initially in, um, 
as compared to primary cells, primary cells are usually more energy dense because you can get away with some of the designs mm -hmm. because it's never going to be recharged yeah. uh, compared to the secondary s cells, which are, in, in a lot of cases, are not quite as energy dense. So, when so there's a trade-off, and, yeah. and the trade-off is that for secondary cells is that you can recharge them. When primary cells are made, do they come packaged already charged? Or does, yes. Is there a way for them to charge it first? No, they have to come charged okay. because guess what? They're primary cells. Yeah. You can't charge them. The, the secondary cells come uncharged and we charge them or they also come charged? Well, secondary cells have to be shipped uh, at 30% state of charge or less based on uh, the shipping requirements for lithium ion. Mm -hmm chemistries. That's true for lithium iron phosphate and lithium ion hmm. cells. So you have to ship them at 30% or less to be to be within the laws of, of shipping requirements for those cells. Hmm. Also, those cells will not be put on a passenger plane ever. Hmm. They will go on a commercial transport plane or a ship or a train hmm. or a truck. Yeah. But you'll never see them on a commercial uh, person uh, airline. Yeah, it's because so of safety weight. requirements. Yeah. You will never see them on there. As far as, you know, you'll see them within people's iPhones mm -hmm. and such, but you won't see them as standalone cells uh, being shipped to a manufacturer. Yeah. That will never happen you because might, of safety. Yeah, you might be better than a Google search for this. You mentioned cell phones. So is the whole, you don't want it under 20% or over 80% accurate, true, or does it depend on the battery chemistry? Um, Mm, so for bi well, let me let me answer that as far as battery life. If you want battery life to be maximum, you don't want to charge it and keep it at a hundred percent charge all the time. Mm. Okay, you'll want to charge it up, and you can go to a hundred percent. But what you want it to do is you want it to bleed off quickly from a hundred percent, and you don't want to run it all the way down into the gutter. In other words, you don't want to drain it. So running from 20 to 80% will extend the life of a battery, mm. a lithium ion and a lithium iron. So um, one of the newer ways of charging those cells or those batteries is to do what's called a sawtooth charge, where you, you charge it up to top of charge, but as soon as it reaches top of charge, you, you stop the charge immediately. You don't hold it there and you let it drain off and you let it drain off based on the load of the electronics that's hooked up to it and the natural relaxation of the cell itself. Mm. And then after a period of time, maybe an hour or so, you pop, on, pop in the charge again and go back up. So the charge waveform looks like a sawtooth, and that's on purpose because you don't want to keep lithium iron and lithium uh, ion at top of charge. You want to bring them to top of charge, but immediately let them go so that you don't, uh, if you keep them and hold them at top of charge, then you're going to uh, not provide their uh, full life. Prevent them from relaxing, kind of using some terminology. Is that, yeah. What does the cell relaxing look like, like expanding and contracting? or? Uh, no, it's the movement of the, of the lithium ions across the, uh, and settling on the electrode uh, after it's been charged up. So there's fast-moving ions and slow-moving ions. Um, during the charge, and so there's a relaxation period that you want the lithium ion and lithium iron uh, charged uh, ions to relax and settle down into their their relaxation state 
um, and it'll look like an asymptotic curve where it'll drop quickly to begin with and then slow down. So you want to, when you do the sawtooth charge, you want it to relax for a while before you hit it with a charge again. Hmm. And that way you will extend the life of the, of the cell yeah, and the battery. The question everyone's dying to know is, does a battery weigh more when it's charged? No. No. No different. Because it's just you're moving electrons from one side to the other? You're moving electrons from one electrode to the other. Yeah, and so, so what is... No, no difference in weight. What does the, the charger for an EV do if it's not... Like, everyone kind of sees it, especially in animations, as electricity going into the vehicle. So the electricity touches the, the battery and it, like, gives it enough energy to move them? Or how does yes. that work? Yeah, so what it does is it pushes the uh, lithium ions across the separator that separates the... Uh, positive electrode from the negative electrode so that the ions flow through the separator, but the separator itself prevents the positive electrode from touching the negative electrode. Mm. If they touched, you would have a short circuit. Mm. So separators are very important in the design such that they let the uh, lithium ions flow through uh, when it's being charged or discharged um, so that the so that the, the separator itself has holes big enough for the ions to move through. But uh, the separator won't allow the electrodes themselves to touch each other. And that's, uh, uh, separators are uh, a very uh, clever design. Absolutely. So kind of yeah. like at the big scale cities working with renewable energy to, to deal with peak uh, demand, they, they move water up, a, up an amount. And then uh, when there's peak demand, they do the water mm -hmm. down through it to get hydropower. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like that in the cell, though. You, you put in the energy to move the water up, and uh, in a mm -hmm. car battery, yeah. you, you put the, you, the energy just switches the sides. That's Correct. fascinating. So the ions are actually moving to the positive electrode when you charge, and the negative electrode when you discharge. Mm. So that's, that's a good analogy. What's your favorite part of an actual FUV, or are you working on the MLM at all? But the favorite part mm. of the batteries that are in our actual machines? Um, so I'm involved in the next generation FUV mm. uh, design architecture, mainly the architecture, uh, to look at and uh, determine what the trade-offs are going to be for what circuitry we need, what functional things are required based on the requirements, and uh, looking at um, you know the lowest cost way, I won't say cheapest, mm. I will say the lowest cost way uh, to properly monitor the state of health mm. of the cells, uh, which is the purpose of the battery system, is to maintain the health of all of the cells. Mm. And to do that, you have to make sure that you, you properly adhere to the voltage limits, current limits, and temperature limits. Mm. So as long as you do that and, and make sure that they are always being um, uh, meeting the cell requirements mm -hmm. as per the cell spec, then you should have a good long life for the cells. I like it. A lot of designers don't pay attention to those specs and push them a little bit too hard, and that's why they don't last very long. Mm. To move it away from FUVs, any electric, like let's say a Tesla or any other EV, um, if one of the cells go bad, can you can you just replace one cell, or does no. the whole battery need to be replaced? No. Uh, it's difficult to, to replace... Um, a single cell, usually what you would have to end up doing is replacing what's called a, a battery pack, excuse me, module, mm -hmm. which is a group of cells. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's a subsection of the whole battery pack. So the whole daisy chain of them. Yeah, it's a daisy chain. Um, basically, it would be either a parallel connection or a serial connection, meaning that as you add more battery packs, you're going to increase 
your voltage. Mm -hmm. If you add them in parallel, you're increasing your uh, capacity, mm -hmm. which is you know, how long the battery can uh, run uh, at, a, at a certain current. Mm -hmm. So when you say capacity of a, of a pack, it's usually measured in amp hours, mm -hmm. which means you can provide this current for this amount of time. Yeah. So uh, let's see, the, I'm trying to think of the, one of the competitors. Well, let's just go with um, Tesla. They have, um, I don't know what, it's like 180 kilowatt hour battery pack. I think 100 I th in the, at least the Model X performance. 120 in some. I mean, yeah, they're low, yeah, some of them yeah. are lower, but what that means is that you can provide that much power mm -hmm. uh, for that amount of time that's that's the capacity of the battery pack hmm. uh, its ability to provide the power over a period of time yeah and so to kind of get a little theoretical with it using consumer electronics if we're charging the computer um, you know you can use it while it's charging or like a laptop but with EVs you can't have them plugged in like if there's a mobile way like say you had a big battery bank in the back you couldn't have it plugged into the vehicle um, mm -hmm. while it's driving is that because it'd be trying to move electrons from one side to the other while they're naturally by the engine going going to the other side or well actually you can charge a vehicle mm. while it's running that's called regenerative braking mm. so when you are driving and you hit the brakes on the fuv app has this feature mm. you are uh, when you're slowing down and let's say you're not hitting the brake but you have set the regenerative level that you're comfortable with uh, you're actually turning around and and turning the motors uh, so that they're now uh, uh, charging the battery. So you can charge while you're driving, and that's regenerative braking. And that's how you capture the kinetic energy of the vehicle uh, so that it doesn't go to waste as heat. So an, a normal internal combustion engine, when you brake, you're wasting all the energy in the disc brakes as heat. Mm -hmm. You're dumping all that kinetic energy of the vehicle into heat. Yeah. which is a real waste. Mm -hmm. The nice thing about electric vehicles is that you can recapture a good share of that, a high percentage of that, yeah. and recharge the batteries. And one thing that, has, that electric vehicles have as an inherent advantage over internal combustion engines is that electric vehicles are three times as efficient in taking the energy that is in the battery as chemically stored energy and providing that as torque to the wheels, okay? So, um, and the reason I know this is because when I worked at Ford, we measured the efficiency of the electric vehicle that we were working on. In fact, I was involved in writing the first end-of-line test sequence for Ford Motor Company for an electric vehicle. An end-of-line test sequence is making sure that everything is functional. Yeah. Well, it didn't exist for an electric vehicle. So we took a standard vehicle end-of-line and modified it for our sodium sulfur-based uh, electric vehicle, and we we changed it. And uh, one of the measurements we did was we did a thumbprint of its efficiency. So we would measure how much energy was coming in, and uh, or let me restate that: how much energy was coming out of the battery mm -hmm. and torqued to the wheels because we had it on a dynamometer. Mm -hmm. And we measured that it was three times as efficient. In other words, it, it was 75% efficient and taking the chemical energy and applying that as torque to the wheels. An internal combustion engine at that time was 25% efficient. Where's everything going? Heat, it's being lost as heat in the engine. 
and all the mechanical connections and getting torque to the wheel. These days, they're now closer to about 30% efficient. However, the electric vehicles have improved to at least 80% efficient in providing and taking the chemical energy from the battery and applying it as torque to the wheel. So when you compare the, the two, electric vehicles will always have an inherent advantage of at least 3x over internal combustion engines. And that's just a fact. And that's one of the things that it has going for it. It is, it is inherently more efficient because we haven't figured out a way to get all the energy out of the gasoline. It's lost as heat. So that's, the, that's a real good advantage for our electric vehicles. They are inherently more efficient. Fascinating. Yeah. And so to, it's fun to. Absolutely. Fun yeah. to work. Yeah. It's interesting how much information we gathered mm -hmm. when we were making a thumbprint meaning a snapshot of the state of health of all of the batteries, excuse me, yeah, of the batteries and the cars before we shipped them out. This was when I worked at Ford. And, and so whenever anything happened in the field, we would look at our thumbprint to say, look and say, well, why did that thing fail? Well, all the cells me measured good. Mm -hmm. Not sure what happened. So mm -hmm. anyhow, so having working on the first end-of-line test sequence for Ford Motor Company and electric vehicle was a lot of fun. And we learned a lot. The other, here's an, another unknown fact, at least at that time. If you blow a parallel park in an electric vehicle, at least this was true at that time, you will have wasted one kilowatt of energy. And all you're doing is scrubbing the tires. When you do a parallel park, all you're doing is scrubbing the tires. And that's how much energy it takes to do a parallel park And mm -hmm. if you blow it the first time. You've just wasted one kilowatt of energy, mm. and that's one kilowatt you lost in your range. Yeah. It's a lot more efficient to go straight than it is to take a corner. Because when you're taking a corner, all you're doing is scrubbing the tires, mm. and that takes more energy. What does scrubbing the tires mean? means that you're pulling the tires. When you turn hard and you're doing a backup, you're pulling the tires, and you're actually pulling them across the surface of the road and you're le leaving a, a small amount of tire residue mm -hmm. on the road, okay, in order to make that car turn. That's what I mean by scrubbing the tires. You're actually r removing some of the tire material off of your tire. Mm -hmm. If you notice when a big semi is making a turn, watch the back wheels of the, of the, of the semi, and, and they're being dragged across the road. Mm -hmm. You're scrubbing the tires. Wow. That takes a lot of energy to, to pull the tires across the pavement. Yeah. So when you're doing a parallel park, you're doing nothing more than scrubbing the tires. Mm. And it takes a lot of energy. And when we measured that and the fact that you don't want to blow a parallel park, you want to do it right the first time. Otherwise, you've just taken a kilowatt out wow. of your range. That's Wrong thing to do yeah. in an electric vehicle. It's phenomenal. To go back a minute, um, to touch on regenerative braking, um, are you involved in that process? Do you know how the brakes, like slowing the wheel, turn back into energy for the, the battery? So what happens is the, there's uh, motors that capture um, uh, the energy uh, such that it um, converts the motion into, uh, drives the motors to, to uh, charge. Mm -hmm. So it basically reverses and, and and pushes the, the current back into the battery. So, and you can, you know, go from charge to discharge, charge to discharge as fast as you want. The battery doesn't care. Mm. The battery doesn't care which way the ions are going. Mm -hmm. It can handle it. It doesn't matter. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah is there a reason that um, 
traditional gas vehicles couldn't incorporate that at least to charge the battery that's uh, you know for the headlights and all that kind of stuff so typically um, good question um, at when I worked at eight one two three at one of our first um, when we were working on it we we identified the fact that we we could make the uh, starter batteries uh, micro hybrid meaning that they can take a lot of charge so lithium iron uh, batteries can take a high amount of charge, but no problem at all. Many C, meaning many times the capacity of the of the battery. Mm -hmm. And that was one market that A123 went after, and they're still in there big time, in that when you hit the brakes, you can dump that charge, that energy, back into the starter battery. And that's what uh, the, the uh, second generation uh, battery is capable of doing, is, is receiving that charge and that's one of the reasons why Daimler wanted it is because they could store that extra energy and actually reduce the size of their alternator mm -hmm. so that they didn't have to have that big of one to provide the low voltage wiring because they could keep that energy partly in the battery because every time you hit the brake it was going to get recharged mm -hmm. you know to a certain extent so again another weight savings Reduce the size of the alternator. Reduce the size of the starter battery. Perhaps you can go to the next, you know, lowest level, next level weight class, and significantly reduce your taxes. Like I said, in Europe, you pay taxes based on the weight of the vehicle, and anything you can do to get the weight out of the vehicle, like reducing the alternator size and the starter battery size, you're miles ahead. That's fine. unintended. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. We just about hit our time. I'm curious if there's any kind of, I mean, it seems like right near the end, we kind of really got you on the most fascinated topics. And mm -hmm. I mean, when you come back on, we'll just have to get jump right into it. Well, I'd be, I'd be happy to come on, back on because uh, because of my many past lives, I do have a, uh, a lot of experience uh, in different areas and applications for batteries. And um, I'm, I hope to bring that all to uh, Arkhamoto's benefit. And that makes me very, very uh, fired up to come into work every day. I enjoy it immensely. Beautiful. Oh. Thank you, Reverend, for tuning into the show. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.